We've been in a series on mountains move. Only a little bit more to go until I start the new series. But one of the things that you learn in life is that everyone faces mountains. No one is exempted. You are going to face mountains in your life. So what do you do when that comes? Our text is a familiar one. 1 Kings 18, 20 through 21. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? I think the King James says halt. How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. That is a striking verse of scripture. They didn't have anything to say. And we, we just don't know who God. Well, we just don't know. And the prophet is confronting them by asking them, why are they standing between positions that are polar opposites of one another? How long are you going to halt between these two opinions? One of the things that happens in extended and prolonged seasons of distress and pain is you will face this mountain that I'm about to talk about. You will face it. There are some problems that you don't even really need a lot of help with. Hopefully you're at a level of maturity and I am too. And some things when they come our way, we, we manage those okay. But after day two, what do you do? And day seven. And the first month and the second and the third and the sixth and the twelfth. And now the 22nd month with this pandemic. That's when you begin to encounter this mountain that I'm going to describe. It is the mountain of uncertainty and unbelief. And I want you to say this with me. Mountain move. Say it. Say it with some emphatic a sense of declaration and emphasis. Mountain. One more time. An emphatic declaration. Mountain. Father God, I ask that you would speak to us. I ask that you would open your word to our understanding. You are the living word and impart the essence of your knowledge and your spirit into our heart that we may grasp more than just the written letter, but the very living word that is embodied in the letter. God, I ask you to speak to us, not just at an intellectual level, but at a heart level and initiate transformation. We ask in Jesus name and we ask that you would do it for your glory as I hide behind the cross. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Mountain of uncertainty and unbelief move. This is one of the biggest mountains you will face in life. And whereas you might not face one mountain of another kind or another mountain of yet a different nature, you will, in the course of living life in this broken world, face this one. One important key to moving mountains is to realize that what you know during times of trouble really matters. It matters a great deal. A deficiency in what you know often does not show up 
when everything is going well or there's no COVID-19, your 401k is growing, your kids are doing good, their marriages are doing well, your grandchildren are, are doing great in school and they're beautiful and handsome and join the football team or whatever. As long as life is sailing the way that it needs to go, there are times that you will not even realize there exists within the bank of wealth or information or knowledge that you possess a particular deficiency. Without any doubt, the single most important thing you can know is not something, it is a someone. And that someone is our Lord. Can I hear somebody shout amen? And how amazing is that anyway? Imagine mere mortal human beings get to know the living God, Jehovah, the mighty God, creator of this universe. Knowing Christ will set you on a course that will transform your thinking. As you learn more about God through his word, that in turn causes your life to be elevated. The principles of the word of God applied to your life will result in the inevitable elevation of your life. The reason many people's lives are not elevated is because they don't learn these principles, nor do they apply them. And knowing this is vital is an important strategy for you to build your life around. You need to build your life around particular strategies. Don't just wake up in the morning and say, ah, new day, wonder what's going to happen. You need to be making something happen with your life. Amen. And the quality of your life, as I said several weeks ago, determines, or the quality of your thinking will determine the quality of your life. That is to say that if you wish to change the quality of your life, you must first change the quality of your thinking. Your life will not change if you keep thinking the same thoughts over and over again. Can I hear somebody say amen? That's reality. To change your thinking requires new information. Jesus said that's the way the process works. John 8, 32. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Everybody say it. The truth shall make you free. But there's more to that verse as I said. You have to first know it. Truth you don't know doesn't do one thing for you. Truth that you do not possess changes nothing. It's like being sick and having the medicine that will cure you sitting on the shelf in the medicine cabinet. If you never take it as prescribed, don't expect to get any better. You've got to get the truth out of the bottle, as it were. You've got to know the truth, and that's what changes your life. And without doubt, the Word of God that I'm preaching from today is the greatest source of life and transformation that exists anywhere on the planet. This book that I hold in my hand, actually I'm holding an iPad, but it's got a number of copies of the Bible on it. And I have them here and study from my iPad and, and my mobile device, like many of you do, or the computer. But the truth of the word of God once it is grass begins to work, it is a transformative agent of change within your life. You can't embrace truth and not be changed. In our text, Israel was in trouble because they did not know God any longer. Imagine that. 
Israel doesn't know God. The people created and birthed out of God's own desire to send a creator. I mean, the people that began with a man named Abram that could not have a child because his wife Sarah was barren. That people no longer knew the God that caused them to come into existence. They even forgot what they once knew about God. How can you do that? And I'm talking to somebody in this building today. You need to realize the same thing exists about us. We can forget what God has done in our lives too if we're not careful. I'm talking to somebody. God saved you, but it's so easy to forget where we came from. God delivered you, but it's so easy to forget that. He worked a miracle for you. Who am I talking to right now? That God has been at work in your life and now everything is so much better. Don't you forget where God brought you from. I need a better amen than that. Don't you forget what God did for you. Hosea 4 and 6. God lamented my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And what is really profoundly amazing about this is that when people don't know God, they often are not even aware of how deep the effects of not knowing God are on their daily lives. They, they have this incredible deficit and all these situations going on because they don't know God and they don't realize they're directly the result of not knowing God. They don't even realize how much it hurts to not be in connection with your Savior. You were not created for that any more than a fish is created to walk on the land. You were created to thrive in the environment of God. He is your living environment. But you see, people don't know that. And as the old saying goes that you've heard before, you don't know what you don't know that you don't know. Our text tells us about the prophet Elijah confronting Israel and the prophets of Baal out Mount Carmel. To experience the reign of heaven in our lives as Elijah confronted the nation, we have to be willing to confront things in ourselves. And during the season of prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit will draw things to your attention within you. You see, we want to change the world, but often that, that begins right here between this ear and this one over here. It's God change me and then I can change the world. To experience the reign of heaven like Elijah confronted them, we have to confront ourselves. Now Mount Carmel is an interesting contradiction in terms, or was then. Because Carmel means fruitful, a place of plenty. It means abundance. And it once had been fruitful and lush and verdant. But after three years and six months of drought, Israel was anything but a place of abundance. The land that once flowed with milk and honey. Such descriptive language. Just it amazes you. Now it flowed with any, it, anything but milk and honey. It flowed with pain. It flowed with distress. It, it flowed with uncertainty. Their sin and disobedience had shut heaven up over them. And it had not rained for count them three and one half long years. And that's important. That you understand that three and one half years, heaven had been shut over their lives and they had not had a word of God in all that time either. And that's significant because when once heaven shuts over your life, you know what it takes to open it? All you got to get is one word from God and the rain will come again. I need somebody to shout for the Lord and say, hallelujah. Having a word of God can open heaven over your life. 
But if you don't know the word of God, the enemy will keep heaven closed over you. And there's some of us that struggle for years because we've lived without a word, a now word that will speak to our circumstance. And without a word, Israel continued their downward spiral. But finally, finally, God said it's time to reign again. Oh, that God would look down upon this nation and this world and upon you and your family and say it's time to send the rain. Is there anybody that wants the heavens to open up over their lives? I'm talking to somebody, anybody in the house, you want God to rain on your finances. Anybody need the rain of God in your health? Anybody? You need the rain of God in your ministry. We can get so dry and dusty and the ground cracked open and so thirsty that we do what we do by rote. We just go through the, 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 the process. We go through the, the strategies, but nothing happens. We just walk it out and become mechanical. And oh God, what we really need right now is rain. We need rain. We need rain. We need rain in America. We need rain in Texas. We need rain at Inspire Church. We we need rain among the churches of this nation. Andrew showed me a news article just this morning, just before I walked into this service. It was between the two services where they were in touch with an underground church in Kabul, Afghanistan. And while people here were in touch with them, the Taliban came into the underground church and killed everybody there. And those here could hear the gunshots and people screaming. God send rain. God send rain. God send rain. God send revival. God send an awakening. Oh, somebody in the building ought to give God some praise. I want you to notice Elijah's question to the nation when the people gathered together. His question was simply this. How long are you going to hesitate between two opinions? 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 Really? That's all you got is opinions? This was why they were in trouble. The nation that God had brought out of Egypt for whom he had parted the Red Sea and laid out a highway for them to walk through on dry ground now had nothing but opinions. The nation that God appeared to on Mount Sinai in a blazing flame of fire and a whole entire nation trembled as they heard the voice of God speak. They now just had opinions. The people that were led by a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night now had what? Opinions. The people whom God had fed for 40 years in one of the most harsh unforgivable environments in the world 40 long years count them four decades and cause manna to appear on the ground and water to flow out of a rock now now they only had opinions I'm talking to some of you you know where God found you 
I'm not trying to be unkind. I don't want to be, I don't want to be harsh or mean. That's not who I am. You know my heart. But some of us, if we're not careful, we'll end up with opinions and forget the testimonies that brought us from where we were and what God did in our lives. Somebody ought to give God a shout of praise in this house. Opinions. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around this. They had forgotten the word of God and they were supposed to have handed it down from generation to generation. Teach your children. It's what God had said. And now all they had was opinions. They had not kept God alive within their own hearts, much less those of their kids and grandkids. And now they had, I just can't get it, opinions. Where was the firm, unshakable resolve of a people who had watched the hand of God work? Where were the people who had seen God step out on the dawn of nothing and create miracles when they had no other way to go? Where where was the nation that watched the walls of Jericho fall? Somebody help me out. Where was the people that God had done miracles in their lives? And I'm talking to somebody that God showed up in your life. Don't you dare end up with opinions. Don't you dare end up with opinions. It sounds so much like today, doesn't it? America and the world are in the same place that Israel was in. And that's why there's so much trouble and chaos. Look at it. The pandemic, the economy, social upheaval and anarchy, the entire geopolitical mess. And it's literally chaos on every front. And why is that the the case? It's because like Israel, we have opinions now. Opinions. Think about people, think about it. People have opinions on whether there's a God or not. They have opinions on whether we evolved or were created. They have opinions on whether or not the Bible is the inspired word of God. They have opinions on how many genders there are. They have opinion on whether abortion is right or wrong. Oh, listen to me. The church of the living God had better have more than opinions because every word of God is forever settled. In the heavens, every word that God ever spoke. I don't believe in taking the word of God to beat people up with it. I came from a background that did that commonly. I will never do that. This is life and I'm not going to administer death with it. But I am going to tell you, I'm going to stand on the life that is in this book. Hello, someone. Everybody has opinions and sadly, even believers in many places now have opinions. Not convictions. And where all the church has opinions, I want to tell you, when that happens, the world is headed for really hard times because we're the salt of the earth. And when the salt stops influencing something, it's not fit for anything anymore. And when the church only has opinions, hear me, world, you are in trouble. You are in trouble. You need a church that's in touch with God just to keep this thing going. Hallelujah. 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 Can I speak to somebody here today that doesn't recognize the value of the church? You need me because I'm a child of God. You need that little Christian that's in the corner office. You need them. You need a child of God working in your business place. I feel the anointing of God in this building. I'm sorry. I just feel something moving here right now. God is in this house. 
When the church ends up with just opinions, the culture changes the way the church believes rather than the church changing the way the culture believes. Teachers and professors who don't know Christ cause you to question your faith if all you have is opinions instead of you causing them to question their unbelief. When you only have opinions, the world changes believers to become like them instead of believers changing the world to become like us. When the church only has opinions, children fall back into the world rather than saving the lost out of the world. We need convictions. Is there anybody in the place that can understand why Israel was in the dilemma that it was in? You see, the point is there are some things that as believers we have to know. Look at somebody and say, there's some things you need to know. You were much too, too kind. I want you to get a, 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 a firm, resolute look on your face and put one foot down and say, there are some things we have to know. Would you do that? You see, as children of our heavenly father, we're called to align our thinking and our belief systems with him. Too many times in the world, it's the other way around. We align our beliefs with what is current and popular and in vogue in the world. The reason all of this was happening to Israel was exactly what I've just described. And they had lost the favor of God, not just because they had stepped out from underneath God's covering of favor and grace and sin and idolatry. It's that they no longer knew anything about God. And so the prophet stands up there and says, how long are you going to halt between two opinions? If God's God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. And the people said, duh, we don't know. They didn't answer a thing. They didn't know. They no longer walked in the revelation of who God was. And the consequences of the absence of revelation in your life are many as it was with Israel. Israel had given themselves over to idolatry because they had lost revelation. The nation had terrible political leadership because they had no revelation. They were being led by politicians who did not know God. Dare I say a word about that? I'm not choosing Democrat or Republican. We're in trouble on both sides of that line. We need politicians that are born again. People that know God one more time. People that will stand on the word of God. Even their preachers had lost courage and were intimidated into silence. And the church people who believed in God, well, they had gone into hiding. And they hid so well that when Elijah talked to God, he said, Lord, I'm the only one left. And God said, what are you talking about? I got 7,000 left. Elijah, I'm paraphrasing, said, well, man, they sure have been hiding good. I hadn't found any of them. Amen. That's what happens when you have opinions. And so Israel's future had become extremely bleak and uncertain. And Israel needed, once again, to develop some convictions about the word of God. And the times in which we live, I'm talking to you as your pastor now. And I know I'm preaching strong today. But hear me, because this is my heart. You need some convictions during the difficult seasons we are walking through. His word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If I don't have his word, I'm going to stumble in darkness. You see, there are some things in my life that are non-negotiables and they should be in yours too. I believe in the existence and the love of the sovereign Lord God Almighty. 
I believe in the efficaciousness of the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Can I hear somebody shout amen? I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and that it is the greatest force that exists in this universe. There's no power like the power of Almighty God. I believe that God hears and answers prayer. I believe that Jesus is coming again. And I believe that Christ will rule and reign as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Our side is going to win. I believe and that settles it. It's non-negotiable. Mount Carmel, where Jesus gathered, represented the uncertainty, or where Israel gathered, sorry, represented the uncertainty and unbelief they had come to face in that prolonged season of distress and doubt. And they had to overcome it. And you got some mountains that you're going to have to face. And in this extended season, your challenge will be that when you've laid at the pool for 38 years, I can't get healed because nobody will come help me. I've never understood that. Why in the name of God are you at the back pew if you can't walk? Get out there with your legs dangling in the water where all you got to do is this when the Spirit of God moves upon the waters. Hear what I'm talking about. In a prolonged season, you need to get as close as you can to where the action is at. You got to get as near to the pool as you possibly can get. Their extended and prolonged season of uncertainty and distress that caused them to stumble. And any time that that happens, you've got to be careful. Unbelief will creep into your heart. Amen. And unbelief had led to an absence of God's reign and favor on their life. Now, here's what you need to know. Anytime there's a problem with unbelief, it's always, always, always a faith problem. You hear me? And... Anytime there's a faith problem, that is always a word problem. I wish I could hear a better amen out there. I told that to you a few weeks ago, but I'm going to say it again. Anytime there is a faith problem, it's a word problem. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you don't hear the word of God, there is no faith that grows with inside of your heart. And in direct proportion to the amount of the words you get, that's how faith will grow inside of you. The Greek word used here is rhema and it means a now word. And it's different than the logos, which is the written word. I thank God for the logos. I love every bit of it. I read it through four times a year. And I have for a long, long time. I love the word of God. I love the logos. But let me tell you what happens because you store the logos in your heart. God will come along and he will during a particular season take part of the logos that you have stored in your heart. That relates to that situation. And he will breathe on it. And it will set it on fire within your heart. My God, all of a sudden your life is transformed because... Logos has now become rhema to you. Hello, somebody. That's what happened to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. That Jesus came alongside and began to tell them verses of scripture they had studied since they were little boys. They knew them by heart. But then they said, as he explained those verses to them, our hearts did burn within us when God sets the word on fire inside of you. It will transform you. 
But whether or not he can do that is directly related to whether or not you have the word stored in your heart. And that's why you should have daily devotions with your kids too. Because they need it as well. Oh my God, my time is nearly gone. You see, you can actually know scripture and still not have rhema. Did you guys read it? I read it this week and I was stunned. You know who the new chief chaplain for Harvard University is? An atheist. They just elected an atheist to be the chief chaplain of Harvard. Pray tell me, how are you going to talk to me about God when you don't even believe in God? Oh, it's getting quiet in here right now. You see, you need to reach the point that you don't mind standing on your faith in God. I'm not knocking that man. I'm not criticizing that man. What I'm talking about is the inability to disseminate a knowledge of God if you don't even believe there is one. It's so important that you know some things in your life. Because what you know can change your life. What you know can inform and help you make better decisions. What you know can keep you from making bad decisions. Amen. What you know can bring the favor of God back upon your life. And that is where Israel was at. What you know can move a mountain of doubt and uncertainty. And position you for a miracle. Is there anybody in this building that needs a miracle? Would you raise your hands and shout, you're talking to me, Pastor. Amen. Let me go just a little deeper and I'm done. Learning inevitably leads to other learning. It really is true. Inevitably, it will lead to other learning. Let me explain what I mean. The more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. (laughs) Sounds paradoxical, but it's true. For example, if I meet someone new and they introduce me to their circle of acquaintances and family, I didn't even know that circle of acquaintances and family existed until I met this person. But meeting this person introduced me to another realm of knowing when it comes to who people are. I learned about people I didn't even know were walking on the face of this planet. Or I can go a little bit further. It's like the Milky Way. If you were to drive out of the city of Houston deep into the piney woods of the big thicket in East Texas, where there were no lights, no cities, no ambient light of any kind, and you were to choose a night when it was a new moon and there wasn't, there wasn't any light to be found, turn off the headlights of your car, put your phone in your back pocket where it won't, the screen won't glow and look up, you will be stunned at the number of stars you see. But do you know that you're only seeing about 5,000 stars? Science says that's the most we can see with the naked eye. But then they developed space observatories and massive telescopes. And what's interesting about those 5,000 stars you see is they are part of the Milky Way galaxy that they now realize contains 400 billion stars. With your unaided eye, you only can see one out of every 80 million of them. One out of 80 million. For every one you see, there are 80 million you don't see. When they built these massive observatories, they learned that beyond the Milky Way were other Milky Ways or or galaxies like ours. Only they don't call them the Milky Way. They have other names, but they're like ours. There are spiral galaxies that have as many as one trillion stars. That's 600 billion more than 
exist in our galaxy. And then there are giant elliptical galaxies that contain as many as 100 trillion stars. That's 250 times the size of our Milky Way. And they never realized any of that was there until they built these telescopes to peer into space. And as they began to realize all of this was out there, they, they began to wonder what else is there out there that we don't even see. So they launched the Hubble telescope. And it's been traveling for years now. And do you know what they've discovered at this point? They have located 170 billion other galaxies. Some of them with trillions of stars. And we thought our little old 5,000 stars was all there was. For many centuries. Because when you learn one thing, it introduces you to another world you didn't know existed. And when you move into that realm of knowledge, it introduces you to yet another world. And that's how the word of Almighty God is. Rabbis say, listen to this, that every word God speaks has 70 faces and 600,000 levels of interpretation. That'll keep you busy studying for a while. It blows my mind. I'm holding a book that is so powerful. It's like holding a nuclear bomb in my hands. I mean, this, this, this is incredible. This book is, is so full of life. It's unbelievable. Why you study the word of God is also important. And that was one reason that Israel left God out of the equation. Because they remembered the miracles. They forgot the God who did them. And then after you forget the God who did them, you begin to wonder if the miracle really happened. You see, there's a reason that we study this book. It isn't just to know the Bible. That won't really do a whole lot for you, just reading the Bible to know the Bible. If you let it work on you, it will. But I can tell you about a guy who knows scripture that it hadn't done anything for him. His name is Lucifer. And he met Jesus on the Mount of Temptation and quoted scripture to him. But you will never say he's in a relationship with God. Because the purpose of knowing the word of God is to know the God that gave that word. Hello, somebody. That's why we study the word of God to know him. And during the season of prayer and fasting, I want to turn our hearts in that direction and make you aware that you can know about somebody, but not know that someone. All kind of folk know about God. Doesn't mean they know him. Why is it that we can believe that if we actually know about God, we know him? You would never think that about a person. Give you an example. Everybody knows about LeBron James. You can know how tall he is. You can know his game stats. You can know his shoe size, where he lives, and his favorite restaurant. And still not know LeBron James. And you can know where God lives. And you can know his word. And you can know all about him. But it doesn't mean you know him. And I pray God give us hearts to know you. Not just to know your word. I want to know you God. I'm pressing hard to the pain. I want to know God. I want this church to know God. I want this church to know God. And as I close. We as a church exist. That when you walk in the doors, you will feel and encounter the warmth of God's people and know that you are loved and that you matter to us. We call them the three W's. I mentioned them last week. But we also exist because we want you to have a God encounter in worship that will transform your life.
We don't just want to come and sing to you. In fact, I'm going to take a Sunday real, real soon, and I'm going to teach on worship. Just a couple of weeks, actually. And I want to talk about how to get into the presence of God. The presence of God. Because a lot of people come and sing to the Lord, but they really are singing at him. Go home and think about that. Amen. So we want you to know that you're loved and we want you to feel warmth. But we also want you to have a God encounter in worship. And that's a second W. And the third W is we want you to learn the principles of God's word. That's the third W, the word of God. Can I say this? And I'm not knocking anybody. Please don't think that. It's going to get out there. They might need to edit this off YouTube. But can I say this? Why is it preaching is only this deep anymore? Where has the preaching gone? Where has the preaching gone? I need a word from God to open heaven over my life. You say, it sounds arrogant. That's not my heart. And if you know me, you will know that is not what I mean at all. It's just when you only get preaching that's that deep and you encounter a crisis that's over your head, this is all the help you're going to get in the middle of that. I want preaching that's great enough to help me in the middle of my life situations. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I need a word, I need a word, I need a word. I want heaven to open. Now really I'm closing. Knowing Christ will transform your heart. But knowing Christ and his word will transform your heart and your mind. And a transformed heart and mind will transform your life. You know why some people can be believers for years and their lives never change. They don't have victory. It's because they know Christ, but they don't know his word. And you need Christ and his word to transform your life. You need both at work within you. Amen. This is, I really am done with this. And so knowledge begins with the acquisition or the accumulation of, of learning. Knowledge. Knowledge is data. It's information. But it's got to be truthful information. Or otherwise you're not going to interpret it correctly. And that's where Israel was. They had opinions. How long will hold you between opinions? Oh, come on. Opinions? Opinions? You've got to be kidding me. The nation that a rock followed in the wilderness for 40 years, a rock got up and followed them. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that they drank from all those years. Look, knowledge can sometimes defy current and conventional thinking. You don't normally expect a rock to follow somebody. I'm old enough that I remember years ago a craze called pet rocks. And some guy got the idea of selling pet rocks. And people were, can you believe they spent money on those things? Pet rock. I can give you all the pet rocks you need. Free. But there's a dimension beyond knowledge or beyond data, and that is wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to apply knowledge correctly. I'll give you an example. A field of knowledge might be that of aerodynamics. But wisdom would be knowing how to apply the laws of aerodynamics and build a 747 or a 777 or an A380 and then fly it. So knowledge 
is data and information. Wisdom is how to apply it. But many people never learn that there's actually a dimension beyond wisdom. And that is understanding. When you take knowledge and wisdom and apply them correctly, you will gain understanding. And do you know what understanding is? It is the capacity and ability to see the big picture from God's point of view. We're not playing games by having church in the middle of this crisis. We're not playing games by fasting and praying. It's part of the big picture. You see, I know that prayer and fasting works. And wisdom is if we will gather together, God's going to show up to fulfill his eternal purposes as we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me because I'm done. I'll demonstrate that another way. Knowledge is that I'm a geologist and I know that there's a rock formation down there that contains petroleum. Okay. But wisdom is different. Knowledge is there's this rock formation that contains petroleum. I know how to get down there and get it and bring it out of the ground. Well, good for you. But it didn't change anything. Wisdom is taking that petroleum and running it through a refinery and producing gasoline. Knowledge takes you one level, wisdom takes you another. But understanding is yet another level altogether. That is realizing that if I design a motor, an internal combustible engine, I can put that gasoline that was refined into it and put it together with a drivetrain and it can provide transportation or it can run a factory with a different gear, gear configuration if so applied. God, give me knowledge of your word but then give me the wisdom to apply it in my life to every circumstance. And that's what Elijah was doing on Mount Coromel. Stop halting between opinions because that's going to get you in trouble I'm praying right now for this congregation how many need convictions restored in their life let's be honest how many of you need to get a hold of some grassroots convictions and stand for something you don't have to raise your hands I'm talking to you though and while every head is bowed right now every eye closed how many in this building need Christ in their life. Would you raise your hand right where you're at? God bless you and you. Keep raising them. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Keep raising them. God bless you in the back. I see you. God bless you. Keep raising them. Keep raising them. God bless you. God bless you. See the hands. Keep raising them. God bless you. God bless you, dear lady. God bless you. Father, I pray right now as we come to you that you will save that you will deliver. I want you to forgive us of our sins. I pray, Lord, in the place of this nation, in identificational repentance and say, forgive us as a nation, Lord, for thinking we can make it without you. Forgive us for leaning on the arm of flesh rather than the arm of God. Forgive us for trusting men rather than our Savior. Forgive us Lord, and help us to rely upon you one more time so that we don't find ourselves any longer in the plight that Israel was in. Save us. Write our names in the book of life. Every person that prayed that prayer, write their name. 
in the book of life and be their savior. And we believe in the efficaciousness of the blood of Jesus. And I want you to shout and say hallelujah. And let's welcome everybody that prayed that prayer with us. Everybody that prayed that prayer, God bless you. Thank you. Because you've just taken your very first step in the kingdom of God. But I want you to go on and do three other things. Number one, get water baptized in the wonderful name of our Lord. Number two, be filled with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that you may live the Spirit-empowered life. And number three, become a Bible-believing disciple and find yourself a home church. And we would love for it to be inspired. Amen. Before we're done. Oh, I feel such a spirit of intercession that has got a hold of me right now. God is trying to turn this nation. Could somebody in this building just throw up their hands and say, God, send the rain again. Send the rain again. Send the rain again. Send the rain, God. Send the rain. Send the rain to America. Send the rain to Afghanistan. Send the rain to India, to Europe. Send the rain. Send the rain. Somebody just stay in the presence of God a moment longer. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Could somebody just say, use me, God. Use me, God. Use me, God. Use me. There was a QR code up on the screen a moment ago. That is if you prayed that prayer with us and also a place where you can go to join our daily devotionals. You can go to our website as well. But if you need a breakthrough in your life, let me see your hands. You need a breakthrough in your family. I'm talking about healing. I'm talking about deliverance. I'm talking about uh, maybe a marriage or a relationship. Raise your hand. Let's pray together in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Cause breakthroughs to happen, Lord. Cause breakthroughs to happen. You know what? I think that if we were to just cry out one more time. Somebody's on the verge of a miracle in their life right now. If somebody were to just cry out one more time. Press a little closer. Press a little closer. If I can touch the hem of his garment. Press a little closer. 